0: It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security.
1: Welcome to the National Security Hour. I am Mary Fanning. Welcome to the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. This evening, my guest, Alan Jones, the intrepid investigative journalist. And we're going to talk about censorship. Welcome, Alan.
2: Thank you. Nice to join you tonight, Mary.
1: So, Alan, what we're seeing these days is censorship unlike anything we've ever seen in this country before. And uh, it, it's really interesting that we've we've, um, in fact, we've We've been uh, dinged by this national security uh, group who are taking away the rights of free speech and they're taking away the rights of journalism from the American people. And this came to uh, the fore, this came to light when the Twitter drops started coming and they began showing uh, initially some information, but then as uh, people were calling for Elon Musk to look at James Baker, his general counsel at Twitter, Elon Musk went back in and started investigating, and he ended up firing James Baker. Why do you think that was?
2: I think that Elon Musk realized that James Baker was involved in domestic censorship and was using Twitter, which is supposed to be a platform for free speech, instead had turned it into a platform for Stasi-style East German censorship, in which you have sort of a domestic internal police security force, which is what the FBI had turned into. And they were, instead of worrying more about foreign surveillance, excuse me, foreign uh, influence, uh, they instead were trying to silence domestic voices from journalists that were exercising their First Amendment rights.
1: Yeah, it was really interesting that um, this, it was uh, called the FBI's Foreign Influence Task Force. So the FITF was censoring Americans, and he was they were calling them the foreign influence. Those who were being censored were also being uh, labeled as foreign influencers when nothing could be farther from the truth. These were pro-American, American journalists, and they were ha- having their rights to free speech taken by the FBI. And so right now what we're looking at is um, big government waging war against the American people and taking their rights away, their rights to free speech, uh, their, their free rights to protest. Um, you know, people should not uh, miss the fact that um, the FBI had infiltrated the group's At the Capitol, and those that were arrested were conservatives. Yet at the same time, for two years more, actually under Obama, you had Antifa and Black Lives Matter burning our cities. And and then you would watch the mainstream media, the Mockingbird uh, Press, um, that was bringing falsehoods to the American people, calling those peaceful protests, uh, and then completely flipping the narrative and bringing falsehoods about what was taking place and who who those were that were violent, and so those this is pretty much like exactly the rules for radicals. Uh, Sololinsky's uh, uh, his his whole thesis was turning every everything inside out, upside down. So mirror what you're doing onto your opposition and say that they're doing it. So uh, that's pretty much what they were doing was running another you know, calling American journalists that they were foreign influencers. You know, this is more Russia, Russia, Russia collusion, trying to sell that that narrative that American journalists didn't have the right to to bring their information forward. And instead, it was being censored. And there was a reason that it was being censored. And I believe that that's because of the criminal elements inside the FBI that were hiding their crimes. What do you think?
2: Absolutely. And so you're right about Saul Alinsky. They flip the script, so they take conservative American journalists and suddenly label them as some sort of foreign outfit that has infiltrated the country, which is completely the opposite of reality. So look at where the source of the infamous Trump-Russia dossier is. You know, attract right back to the Clinton campaign. Well, talk about Russian influence. Hillary Clinton was the one who was Uh, tasked with the Russia reset when President Obama was president, and she was giving all kinds of uh, special favors to the Russians. For example, Skolkovo basically moving Silicon Valley over to Russia to give them a technological advantage, which they could then use for their military. You can see what they've done developing hypersonic missiles and other uh, very dangerous weapons. And so it's if you want to look for the Russia collusion, look no further than the Clintons and the Obamas.
1: Isn't that the truth? So um, Skokovo is a particularly interesting, you know, moving Silicon Valley into, into uh, just outside of Moscow and, and having our uh, those who were putting together our national security information for our, our military the the very idea that that was being transferred to Moscow should have been an act of treason. And Peter Schweitzer has um, uh, tried to bring this information to the American people. Um, remember, there were 10 um, foreign agents, real spies, that were arrested, that were involved in this country. What, was, what did Barack Obama do? Put him on a plane and give him a nice quick ride home before the FBI even questioned them?
2: Yes. In fact, these Russian spies who were what they call illegals, they were here in the United States pretending to blend into American society. One of them was the infamous Anna Chapman. You know, they were put on a plane and sent back to Moscow where they received a hero's welcome. She became sort of a celebrity superstar, super spy. And instead, she should have been under interrogation by the FBI, and finding out who she was working with, like you would treat any other spy, but not under Barack Obama. It was the complete opposite. So once again, whose side is he really on?
1: Well, Anna Chapman, um, as I remember, was um, schmoozing some of our members of Congress. It was really stunning that that was how they were treating spies. Um, In fact, I'm sure you're um, remember the interesting piece and, and we've published it at the American Report um, because it had been scrubbed from the the uh, internet and we saved it and were able to publish it. And it um, was by General Pachepa and General Pachepa wrote a piece. It was the only piece that he wrote that was scrubbed from the internet. and That was, I should know, I should know. And what did General Pachepa tell in that piece?
2: Well, General Pachepa, was commenting on what he was observing with the Obama presidency, starting with a meeting that Obama had with Medvedev, a very high-level uh, nuclear arms control meeting in which they were talking about missiles. And in a sort of uh, in a sort of hot mic moment, Barack Obama was, taught, was kind of whispering over to Medvedev, "You know, I'll have more flexibility after the election." And so um, Pichipa saw right through this, and he actually drew parallels between what he was seeing with Obama and what Whitaker Chambers had, which was you know connections to the Kremlin. So here you have the highest level Eastern Bloc spy to ever defect to the West, calling out Obama as a communist spy working for the Eastern Bloc, and the Russians, who are really no different than the Soviets, there was no end of the, of the Cold War, end of the Soviet Union, it just kind of morphed into what we have today with Putin.
1: Yeah, that was the perestroika deception that Golitsyn exposed. And it was interesting that uh, General Pachepa came forward and he said, I should know Barack Obama, like Whitaker Chambers once had been, is a KGB asset. Imagine the the, the highest level defector into our country who came because he was against communism and he had worked with the KGB and uh uh it is really breathtaking that he came out and said that that Barack Obama was a KGB asset and and then it was interesting that the only piece that general Pacheco wrote that was scrubbed from the internet was that one piece and and so those who are looking for it it's at the it's i should know and um, it was interesting that in that conversation where um, Barack Obama was talking to Medvedev, that's the same man that Hillary Clinton was working with when she moved Silicon Valley into Moscow. Imagine Absolutely.
2: That. Medvedev's been working closely with Putin for a long time, and he's still one of the most powerful officials in Russia. He's right up there with Igor Sechin and Vladimir Putin. In fact, it's Medvedev who has been kind of threatening the United States. Uh, They've actually sent one of their frigates, a Russian Navy ship, uh, heading over across the Atlantic to the United States. And reportedly, it's carrying this new Zircon hypersonic missile, which can travel, I think it's around Mach 5 or 6. And Medvedev has been kind of bragging about saying, you know, it's going to be right off your coast near the Potomac. So this is very dangerous, high stakes, Uh, situation that we're in right now with, you know, maybe Russia's economy is a complete failure, but they're a nuclear power. And we are very close to the edge right now, as close as probably since the Cuban Missile Crisis. And Medvedev is a major player.
1: Yeah, he sure is. And um, I think it's important that we keep in mind, you know, um, how close he is to Vladimir Putin. You know, Vlad, who was known for saying, I like communism and I like it still. And uh, as you're talking about these missiles and their general came forward and he said, when they talked about the hypersonic missiles, he said, you won't see us launch them. You won't see them in transit. You won't know about it until it hits you. That's, that's pretty stunning um, threat. And at the same time that we're having that threat delivered to us, we have an Air Force general who's just come out and said, prepare for war. We're going to be going to war with China by 2025. What would you think about that when you heard that, Alan?
2: That was stunning. So, reportedly, that was a memo from an Air Force general who heads out the Air Mobility Command. So, what his uh, units are involved is, is airlift moving uh, troops and material on big cargo planes like the C-130s and the and the Galaxy transport planes, as well as uh, air refueling, which is very important for all of our air missions. You know, you have to have tankers in the air if you want to be able to use air power. And he sent this memo out to all the airmen under his command, letting them know, you know, I think we may be at war with China in the next Two years and get your affairs in order, get your family affairs in order, and practice actually using uh, weapons and shoot for the head. He says he wants to put them in a war footing, a war mentality because we need to be ready. He thinks we're going to be actually in a hot war with China.
1: Well, everything that uh, Joe Biden has done is seems to me that he's looking to get into World War III. Um, Remember, we had treaties we were not going to put NATO on Russia's border. Then Joe Biden um, brings Ukraine with promises of becoming NATO. They whisper into China's ear that, oh, we're going to let uh, Ukraine in. And all they did was set off Russia into this uh, war stance because, of course, there are these treaties that, that Joe Biden keeps breaking. And you know, if we if we agree to treaties like that and we expect others to abide by those treaties, then you don't break the ones that we sign as the United States. And so everything that Joe Biden has done looks as though he's um, itching for World War Three. And it seems to me that one of the reasons that he's doing that is because. There is so much treason on the table that he is um, responsible for uh, you know, it's not just Hunter's laptop from hell, where you're seeing, um, we wrote a piece uh, uh, for our audience, we wrote a piece about Hunter Biden, and that he was bringing energy deals, and he was bringing them to China and Russia. Now, understand that if you have no energy, uh, and you're capturing the energy of the globe, you're not going to be able to run a war. And at the same time, understand that Joe Biden has turned off our spigots here, handed off our strategic oil reserve to China, no less, that we're talking about going into a a war that this Air Force general is warning of. Uh, Alan, what else do you see that Joe Biden is doing that is setting us up to be destroyed, setting us up for the destruction of this country?
2: Well, Joe Biden's been involved in setting us up for the destruction of this country from the beginning of his political career. In fact, he was sponsored by Council for a Livable World.
1: The Council for a Livable World uh, was founded by the Soviet Silvermaster Master Spy Ring. Uh, they were the group that put Joe Biden into office. Uh, they knew that they couldn't get the American people to join the Communist Party. So instead, they decided to start putting people into Congress and take over from inside our Congress. The Soviet Silvermaster Spies. um uh, and that included Armand Hammer and Julius Hammer, who were the founding members of the Council for a Livable World. It also included uh, Leo Szilard, who was a nuclear physicist who had infiltrated our nuclear secrets. So, these were some of the people that brought Joe Biden uh, to the fore. So, as we end this, se- this segment, thank you for joining the National Security Hour where we will expose the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to to undermine and destroy U.S. national security, which Joe Biden has been very handy at. We'll see you in the next segment.
2: Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America
0: Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all.
3: Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called CoFix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered to reduce your chance of getting hurt. You wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. CoFix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a pulvidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard him talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out cofixrx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at cofixrx.com. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack, tear off the top and shoot it down or mix it in water boost your immunity go to healthycell.com and use limited time code out loud for 25 percent off your first order risk-free love it or your money back guaranteed healthycell.com code out loud healthycell.com code out loud
1: Welcome back to the National Security Hour on the America Out Loud Network. This is Mary Fanning, and we'll continue with my guest, Alan Jones. Um, Alan, when we're talking about the Council for a Livable World, it's important that our audience understands that one of the first people that they chose to infiltrate our Congress was none other than Joe Biden. And the Council for a Livable World was uh, started one of the people, the Soviet silver masters was Leo Shalzard and he had infiltrated with the Rosenbergs our um, nuclear facilities. Beyond that, the uh, Armand Hammer, Julius Hammer, these were communist spies working for the Soviet union. Interesting to me is the fact that their bag man, the man that was raising all the money for the council for a livable world was Al Gore senior. But, The idea that the first person that they put in from Delaware was Joe Biden, and there's really not much that Joe Biden does that looks as though he's pro-American. We're not just looking at um, whether we're going to have these missiles coming our way, that we're going into World War III, that we've had our oil spigots uh, turned off, that our borders are open, that Cloward and Piven is being uh, orchestrated with open borders. And there's more than 5 million illegals coming into this country and understand that every one of those illegals are being put on the backs of the American people. The government has no money unless they confiscate it from the American people. Um, Alan, as we're as we're looking at these missiles coming our way, one of the things that comes to mind is the work that we did that exposed the Club K and exposed the ports deals that Joe Biden was intimately involved in, along with Barack Obama. Tell our audience a little bit about that. And and when they brought these uh, folks into our ports, you don't turn over your ports. Anyone that's ever read a word of Sun Tzu understands that. But the idea that Barack Obama and Joe Biden brought these people in, they not only came into our ports and were given leases, but at the same time, the American people should understand the strategic alliance that they had accomplished right before they were given these port leases. Tell, tell the audience about uh, the Club K and what they brought, what O'Biden brought into our country.
2: So the story actually centers around a company called Gulf Tainer. The origins of Gulf Tainer date all the way back to 1976, the bicentennial of the United States. That was also around the time Henry Kissinger was leaving his post as Secretary of State. So an Iraqi family called the Jafar family set up a cargo container shipping company in the United Arab Emirates, in the Emirate of Sharjah, which is right next to Dubai. And they got in the business of uh, handling these intermodal cargo containers like you would see uh, on a train, on a tractor trailer and, of course, on a ship, and they set up all kind of port deals around the Middle East. Now, what's interesting about the Jafar family is that they are the family that was involved with Saddam Hussein's nuclear weapons program, and they also have very deep connections to Russia. So this goes all the way back to the Soviet Union days. They had deep connections to to the KGB, and then fast forward, um, after uh, Barack Obama came in, he actually brought this company into the United States and with the help of Joe Biden, uh, made sure that they actually were able to infiltrate U.S. seaports and strategic locations and set up operations here while they continued to have close relations with Putin and Russia. And that brings us today to today.
1: Yeah, it's it's really a breathtaking story. And for our audience, uh, you can find this at the Center for Security Policy. And this is an occasional paper that we wrote. Uh, It's the perfect storm. People have made movies about it. and Intelligence um, summits have been carried on uh, to try to bring this this information to our government. And we start that paper um, with, the next time you watch a freight train pass by a railroad crossing, Or hear the evocative sounds of the mournful horns of trains passing in the night, or railroad crossing warning bells as flatbed rail cars double stacked with cargo containers roll by, or see a flatbed semi-truck hauling a cargo container down the highway. Keep in mind that President Barack Hussein Obama and his longtime administration, or his administration awarded Saddam Hussein's rogue nuclear mastermind access to our ports. Port Canaveral and the Port of Wilmington. Joe Biden was intimately involved in that. He was using uh, grants, and he was handing off our ports. You have to understand that that um, Dr. Defar Dia Defar was on the Pentagon's blacklist. He was wanted for capture or kill. So th- his family company, his brother and business partner, were given 35-year leases to the Port of Canaveral, the cargo container operations. Why that's important is because those cargo containers, they are operated via satellite. They have at least a 10-year shelf life that we know of. Those cargo containers open up and caliber missiles will either launch nuclear, biological, chemical, EMP, or a standard payload. So just imagine that using Tiger Grants, Joe Biden was bringing these people in Side the wire, into the country while they're in a joint venture with Russia who export these Club K cargo containers. Cargo containers that can launch a nuclear weapon and once they get inside the wire in our country, there's nothing we can do to shoot these down because our our protections are only outside the country. They point east and they point north. And that's important because... (laughs) One of these things gets inside the country and they launch a nuclear weapon or an EMP and our our entire grid goes down. If the entire grid goes down, as, as Dr. Peter Pry has said, nine out of 10 people in this country will be dead in one year. And it's important also that the audience understands Ash Carter and what Ash Carter did i going to share that and let let the people know what took place under the, the Obama administration and also Joe Biden and his hand in this.
2: Yes. So Ash Carter has been in and out of the Pentagon for a very long time. He actually did recently pass away, but he was a major force inside the Defense Department. Uh, he was involved in trying to block President Reagan's uh, SDS, Star Wars program, which was kind of like a shield to prevent uh, Russian missiles from raining down on the United States. And he also got a high level position in the Obama administration in acquisitions, okay? And that's of course bringing in advanced weapon systems. He eventually actually became secretary of defense, but the army had been modernizing their forces. It was the biggest uh, modernization program since World War II. And so they had developed some very advanced, sophisticated weapons. One of them was known as missiles in a box. The actual technical term was it non-line of sight, uh, Enlos LS. This was a container that you could put around uh, in the theater. You could even move it on a Humvee and uh, you could load it up with these uh, rockets that were very precision rockets that we could use, for example, in Afghanistan. And also they were developing it for the Navy to go into standard intermodal cargo containers. Now, under Barack Obama, suddenly that program was canceled. And at about the exact same time, the Russians announced that they had developed something called the Club K container missile system. This was, I believe, around 2010. So this would have been uh, around Obama's second year. And the Club K was described as a aircraft carrier killer. It could launch these caliber cruise missiles, and it was a complete game changer. Uh, it was a serious threat to the U.S. Navy and uh, and our friends and allies around the world. And not only that, but the company that exports them for Russia, Rossoboran Export, which is a division of RosTech. Rosetech was in a joint venture with none other than Gulf Tainer. And so just before Gulf Tainer came to the United States, they were in business deals with the company that exports these Trojan horse container missile launching systems, the Club K.
1: And so the Club K doesn't need anyone with them to, to launch this. It's, it's operated via satellite. And what's um, also important about this, as you said, uh, Ash Carter, can, uh, this was part of future combat systems, the Enlos LS. But Ash Carter canceled this weapon system um, that was 97 percent complete, and we'd put 1.7 billion toward it, 13 years of R and D. So interesting, we we uh, devoted all this time and money and uh, to this program, and Ash Carter canceled it, and within 30 days. Took us 13 years of R and D, but Russia then had it within 30 days. Now, Ash Carter was a good friend of the Clintons, and uh, it's interesting that Russia ended up with this within 30 short days. But also, uh, it's it's not just that that uh, Ash Carter cancelled it; it's the Jafars and Gulf Tainer. Uh, were brought inside the wire, even though they were on the Pentagon's blacklist, wanted for capture or kill. So Dr. Jafar Dia Jafar was on the Pentagon's blacklist, wanted for capture or kill. That's important. But also what's important is that Dr. Jafar was the inventor of the beach ball. That's a miniaturized uh, nuclear weapon that works with the caliber missiles and with the Cargo container for launching. Now, um, according to Dennis Montgomery, the there were beach balls. Seventeen of them were found in Baghdad, and uh, that's that's interesting that he says that because no one knew if they had been uh, fabricated or not. Also interesting is that um, after uh, President Trump was elected in office. Um, Benjamin Netanyahu came forward and showed that they had found the plans for beach ball in an Iranian warehouse. And he was, he went on television and showed exactly what they found. And it was Dr. Jafar, Dia Jafar's uh, nuclear weapons plans. And so this is the people that Barack Obama and Joe Biden gave leases to our ports, leases that they bypass the CFIUS, uh, Regulations, so no national security threat analysis, and uh, none of this was what which had been uh, uh, absolutely must have gone through those steps. It was all bypassed. They simply brought them in and bypassed the the rules and uh, regulations.
2: There's another disturbing angle to the Gulf Taylor story. So we actually uncovered. article in a Russian defense journal and translated it. And what it talked about was Russia's Pearl Harbor 2.0 plan. Of course, you know what happened in uh, December in, uh, December 7th in Honolulu, where Pearl Harbor was bombed by the Japanese in a surprise attack that basically catapulted us into World War II. Now, Russia is looking to the future. And what they're doing is Uh, Their plan was to actually use these Club K container missile systems and launch them from cargo ships, from trains, from tractor trailers to hit, the the quote was, hit them in their ports. So the the goal is to hit U.S. Navy ships, uh, surface warfare ships like aircraft carriers, as well as our submarine fleets, while they're sitting in port around the world and uh, use the Club K to do this for a surprise attack. And so that's why these Club K units are so dangerous. And Putin has been positioning the Club K container missile system, which remember he's working with the Jafars that run now two ports with Gulf and in the US. So that leaves an open door for them to be able to bring containers and weapons into the United States. But that uh, Putin has actually put Club K units on the Arctic icebreakers that the Russians have up near Alaska, he's got them all over the world. And so this is a real clear and present danger that we're looking at.
1: Absolutely. And the Jafars are also, they went into a joint venture with the Russians through their nuclear port on the Black Sea. So they're positioned to be moving all this. And I'm I'm really not sure how it is that um, our intelligence agencies or our military um, haven't... uh, gotten involved in in trying to secure this nation. Um, Also, people should know that the Club K, uh, China has it. So does North Vietnam. Um, Most of our enemies do at this point. Uh, But it's also important to understand that the number one toy in China is a little miniaturized Club K. And I don't think that people should not pay attention to little things like that. It's... um, we're being put in a position where that this country is in peril. In fact, um, I did a film, Absolute Peril. It's at the uh, AmericanReport.org. And Absolute Peril is showing the war plans that they're using to take down the United States that China has put in place, that China has put in place. And uh, in 2005, and it actually came out before that, we translated uh, the two speeches from uh, General Ho Tien, and he talked about how they were going to destroy the United States. And that was based on this book, Unrestricted Warfare, in these speeches. And so we had um, a couple of generals, General McInerney, General Flynn, General Arbuckle, and Colonel Sellin. Uh I had them come together and they uh, discuss unrestricted warfare and the war fl- plans to to destroy the United States that China has put out publicly, and uh, it's important that the American people understand what we're looking at right now because we are truly looking down the barrel of a gun. And uh, why are officials? I don't, you know, why is Eric Swalway, Swalwell dating a spy? Why were the Clintons working so close with the Chinese? Uh, why did our intelligence agencies uh, run a coup d'état against a president when we were looking down the barrel in a very dangerous? Perilous moment in our history, which brings us to CFIUS, the Committee on Foreign Investments in the United States. Had it been abided by, and the national security threat analysis been properly carried out, but the problem was, is that the staff chairperson was Ayman Nabi Mir. Ayman Nabi Mir's father was from the steering committee of ISNA, Islamic Society of North America. They had been unindicted co-conspirators. Uh, at the Holy Land Foundation trials. Ayman uh, Nabi Mir was Mina, the, the youth group of ISNA. Uh, his father's partner, Ayman Nabi Faye, was in fact found to be paying off our government officials and he was uh, charged and put in prison. Which brings us to the end of our second segment. Um, thank you for joining us at the National Security Hour. We will be broadcasting Monday through Fridays, 7 p.m. Eastern time. On America Out Loud, Talk Radio Network on iHeartRadio. You can also find our papers at theamericanreport.org.
3: We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer, take back your sleep go to healthycell.com and use limited time code out loud for 25 percent off your first order risk-free love it or your money back guaranteed
0: healthycell.com code out loud healthycell.com code out loud for 40 years alarmists have been warning of a climate catastrophe yet none of their dire predictions have come true temperatures have not soared sea level rise has not been unusual and extreme weather events have not increased in either frequency or intensity. In short, there is no climate emergency. For 15 years, the International Climate Science Coalition has led the call for climate realism and a Made in America Climate Plan, a plan based on real science that responds to the real-world needs of Americans, supports economic growth, and strengthens our essential infrastructure a plan that protects the environment and ensures that Americans can enjoy the blessings of clean air, clean land, and clean water for generations to come. It's time to put ideology and pseudoscience aside. It's time for a sensible climate plan. For more information or to donate, visit our website, icsc-climate.com.
1: You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? Welcome back to the National Security Hour on America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. Welcome back, Alan. So we left off talking about CFIUS, Committee on Foreign Investments in the United States, and the fact that Eamon Nabi Mir was bypassing the national security uh, threat investigation and just just pushing these deals through, even though they were critical infrastructure, right there at Port Canaveral, where our seas uh, land... Sea Space Command reside. In fact, Gulf Tainer is 1,000 feet. They are placed 1,000 feet from our nuclear turning basin. That was rather rather breathtaking when we found that out, wasn't it?
2: Absolutely. So these are U.S. Navy submarines that come in to Port Canaveral. And uh, a lot of them, some of them are attack submarines, but some of them are what are known as our boomers, the Ohio-class submarines that carry are submarine-launched ballistic missiles, which are really the most important leg of the nuclear triad that protects the United States from Russia and China. Of course, that uh, three legs are the submarines, the missile silos, and, of course, the uh, long-range bombers uh, like the B-52s and the B-1s and the B-2s. Very, very important. So, an outfit like Gulf Tainer, which is, you know, connected to Vladimir Putin and Saddam Hussein and a whole cast of very shady characters, uh, that to let them in next door to our submarines is really just inviting espionage. It's inviting sabotage, and it's to be investigated at the highest levels of Congress.
1: Yeah, it was surprising when we looked into Ayman Nabi Mir. And his father was the head of the steering committee of ISNA, Islamic Society of North America. And he was the head of the junior um, version of the Islamic Society of North America. But that was declared at the Holy Land Foundation trials as a terrorist group. So we have someone out of a terrorist group who's um, approving these deals at our critical infrastructure. Uh, you you can't make this up. Not only did Ayman Nabi Mir approve the Gulf-Tainer deals for them to move into our ports, bypassing the required CFIUS review, but they also did the same thing with the Uranium One deal. Why is that important? Well, because Uranium One was the deal that involved the Clintons, and they said it was just a Canadian deal, and it didn't require Uh, a CFIUS review, a committee on foreign investment in the United States review. Yet they really did require that. And the reason for that is we then found, and that came out in WikiLeaks, that Robert Mueller was supplying uranium samples and flew them to Moscow. Now, why is that important? Because then you had um, foreign entities (laughs) buying our uranium so should we be hit with a nuclear bomb made with our own uranium? You would have no you would have our own nuclear signature on that nuclear bomb. And that's important. It's also important to understand so you're you're looking at our nuclear signature being handed to our adversaries. That's one. Why was Robert Mueller delivering that? Why do they bypass the CFIUS review? Um, why haven't those questions been answered? Um, where's the Department of Defense? Where is General Austin? Um, General Milley used to say, when someone tells you if they that they're going to kill you, believe them. So I'm not sure why there's no one seems to be doing their job or, or honoring their oath to the Constitution. But uh, when we see our uranium being handed off to our adversaries, when we see our ports uh, being handed off to some a family, it wasn't just Dr. Jafar Dia Jafar that was on the blacklist. His brother Hamid Dia Jafar was investigated for his oil for super weapons deals, where he was uh funding Saddam and his brother's nuclear weapons programs. So uh, I mean you you can't make this up, but you know, you wouldn't have to be making this up uh if the Mainstream media was actually telling the the American people the truth if they were bringing that information to them. In a different day, this would have been shouted from every rooftop, the danger that we're under. And this information was brought to President Trump. In fact, he put um, Rosalboran Export on the list that they were not allowed to do business in this country. Well, by then it was too late because Barack Obama had brought Gulf Tainer. And uh, Joe Biden, as I said, set the table for these deals. And that should, that should concern everyone because what we're watching right now is Joe Biden is dancing into World War III. Uh, and you have to ask yourself why. What does that have to do with Hunter's laptop from hell? Do you know that right now we know that the amount of um, secure information that Joe Biden was not supposed to uh, have in hand would fill up a tractor trailer? Stunning.
2: Yeah, it's amazing the amount of secrets that have been uh, distributed and redistributed to our adversaries. And uh, just getting back a little bit to Port Canaveral, why it's so important, not only is it important for the U.S. Navy for the submarine program, but Port Canaveral is also adjacent to what was called Canaveral Air Force Station. It's now been renamed Canaveral Space Force Station, and it's used to launch some of our most important defense satellites and spy satellites. So, you know, you'll regularly see like National Reconnaissance Office launches their CIA satellites. Um, Even some of our, um, some other countries like Israel have actually launched from there as well. And then, of course, it's adjacent to the crown jewel of America's space program, Kennedy Space Center, where all the space shuttles are launched. A lot of our missiles are tested in the uh, Eastern range launching from there. So you couldn't have picked a worse place to put our worst enemies into the United States. But that happened under Barack Obama and vice president Biden.
1: Well, beyond that, we also had Elon Musk and when he was launching uh, it, it blew up and they said initially the, all the reports were that this had the The fingerprints of someone um, being involved in that. This didn't just happen. It wasn't just an accident. And uh, they were right, who who was right next to them? Well, that would be Gulf Tainer. And so, in fact, if you remember, Elon came out and said that he initially, the initial reports were that he saw someone up in the building that shouldn't have been there when this blew up.
2: Now, there was a, another interesting incident that happened after Gulf Tainer moved into Port Canaveral, the British submarines come in on a regular basis. So actually, one of the Royal Navy submarines came into Port Canaveral to do uh, some exercises out there in the Atlantic Ocean, and they actually did a test launch of one of these uh, Trident missiles, which launched out of the submarines. And it was a major mishap in which, after they launched the missile from the submarine, It actually, its guidance system somehow malfunctioned, and it turned and headed toward Florida, toward the mainland, and they had to destroy it. But, you know, was it sabotage? What exactly happened? Because we shouldn't have had our adversaries anywhere near these submarines.
1: Yeah, and when we went to speak to those at that naval base, they were devastated. They were incredulous of what was taking place and what was moving in. And it's also interesting to know on the history of Gulf Tainer. They announced at Davos um, that they were going to be taking our ports, and the first port that they tried to get into was Port of Jacksonville. When they tried to get into Jacksonville, and so that's a stone's throw from Kings Bay uh, Navy submarine base, Kings Bay. And when they tried to get in, they paid two hundred and fifty million dollars under the table to become the secret, the secret silent partner. To, to take over the cargo container operations there. Well, tell the audience what Kings Bay is and what does it hold as far as our a nuclear triad?
2: So, so Naval Submarine Base, Kings Bay, it's in Georgia, but just north of Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville, of course, is a major U.S. Navy base. You've got uh, Mayport there. You have Naval Air Station Jacksonville. So the Navy is one of their primary uh, regions on the east coast now the east coast fleet of u.s navy boomer submarines actually is out of kings bay so when u.s navy submarines go out on patrol to head up toward russia and the north atlantic they're sailing out of kings bay now why did gulf Tainer want to get right up close and cozy with that base um, very close by trying to take over the port of jacksonville It's a very interesting question. And then, of course, they got the second best, which was to come to Port Canaveral. So is this the Russians using Gulf Tainer as a proxy force to preposition to carry out Pearl Harbor 2.0, which is the Russian war plan to sink the U.S. Navy in a preemptive surprise attack? That's what our fear is, and it's very serious. And I don't think people like Lloyd Austin are prepared or equipped or have the right... um, Alliances to be able to tackle this, we need to get some patriots in there in the Pentagon right now and get this thing turned around quick because we're in a lot of trouble.
1: Oh, we certainly are. And until people understand that uh, those who were brought inside the wire, that were given the leases to our ports, they were not. Dr. Defar Dia Defar was working with the ambassador to Iraq, and that was was Yevgeny Primakov. Yevgeny Primakov is an interesting man. Because he was also the handler for two of our uh, most devastating spies, Robert Hansen. Robert Hansen, his handler was Yevgeny Primakov. Robert Hansen was not just an FBI spy, a traitor, but uh, the amount of, of our people that he had killed by giving out this information. The other spy was uh, Jonathan Pollard. Jonathan Pollard, his handler was also Yevgeny Primakov. Why is that particularly interesting in relation to Gulf Tainer and Dr. Jafar Dia Jafar? Dr. Jafar Dia worked very closely with Yevgeny Primakov. And he was in and out of Moscow working with them. They also are the group that put together the Islamic Bloc. The Islamic Bloc in the late 90s was put together, and it was the Middle East and certain countries. Iran, Iraq, working with Russia and China toward the destruction of what they like to call the big Satan and the little Satan, the United States of America and uh, Israel. And so this is a long range plan. It's been known about for a very long time. So why anyone would hand our ports off to the very people who were working with the Russians toward our destruction and the Chinese, not just The Russians and the Chinese. You can also add Iran to that. You can also add North Korea to that. But the Jafars have been um, um, an enemy uh, working against the United States for a very long time. We've written in The Perfect Storm and other papers of of how they were um, coming in this country as spies to take information. And that's important to the national security of this country. And right now it's going to take the American people to stand up and to stop this be getting in touch with their representatives, state uh, and federal and telling them that they need to do something about this. They know about this, you know how this was able to be put in place and no one did a thing and the military just stood down. Uh, it became more understandable when we saw what they did in Afghanistan. And Millie just not only did he turn it over, walk away, leave our some of our troops what what took place there, was treason. But beyond that, when he called his counterpart in China, and we now know that he said, if, anything's, if if anyone's planning to attack China, I'll call you and let you know first. I mean, this is breathtaking. This is breathtaking treason.
2: Absolutely. It's like something out of a Tom Clancy novel, but it's actually been happening. Now, it's also something that the media does not want the American people to know about. So We faced a lot of pushback with this Galtainer story. Uh, We were subjected to a lot of uh, censorship. And so this is a very sensitive story. I do believe it is still a very sensitive story because it's so explosive. And if the American people were to find out that actually the individuals that were involved with developing nuclear bombs for Saddam Hussein were given a red carpet rollout to take over uh, U.S. seaports. Uh, this would just be devastating for those who were responsible. And uh, not only was Obama connected to Gulf Tainer through Wahid Hamid, who he was at Occidental College with back in the 1980s, but the Clintons are also very close to the Jafar family. And so we actually wrote about that through uh, their connections to the Clinton Global Initiative and varki gems. And so there's a long connection between uh, the Clintons and Gulf Tana.
1: Yeah, and it's important to understand that who the Jafars are. And so they don't just come from Iraq. They're um, Hamid is not just out of the UAE, but the Jafar family is the Qajar dynasty. They were the rulers of Iran from 1785 to 1925. So this family. Saddam Hussein's nuclear mastermind was a ruling family of Iran from 1785 to 1925. And the idea that Dr. Dhafar Dhafar also runs a group of terrorists seek revenge on other countries. And that was unit 999 that was involved in the Oklahoma city bombing. And so they have uh, a long reach and, And they have been at this for a good long time. And it was interesting, by the way, Alan, I thought that um, as this came in, this company came together under uh, Henry Kissinger. It really never took off until uh, about the point when Barack Obama came into office.
2: Absolutely. They really accelerated their expansion throughout the Middle East and around the world after Obama came in. So there was a synergy between Obama and Gulf 10 and the Jafars.
1: Yeah so um thank you to our audience for joining us um you can hear um the the podcast america out loud talk radio their network you can go to apple Uh, those are usually posted these shows a day or two later and so you can get the free apps on android apple or alexa and we would love to have you join us again We are Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. And this has been the National Security Hour.